everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's great to be back. By the way, I love when you wear your Fox Business. Thank you. Trucker hat. That's right. We should be. We should. We, you should promote them and sell them, and we should get a cut. Well, here's Fox the, won't let us do that. Just so. a, a side note: uh, there's no free swag at Fox Business. No, I pay for this hat. <laughs> I, no, I wear it online. Often brains when they bring the swag out for us to promote, they take it back <laughs> so they can promote it on another show. We don't even get to keep it. Um, so okay, so anyway. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. We have, great. We have two awesome topics. Like this is like my pop culture segments are like killing it on Fox and Friends weekend. People do need a break from all the crazy news. And pop culture is providing that. And it's also intersecting with politics in such an interesting way. And I love when pop culture intersects with politics. It's sort of that sweet spot that for my level of interest. And I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast and we have two really great topics. We're going to talk about King Charles, who's like the wokey climate cultist priest um, who went to Dubai and all the hypocrisy surrounding that and his trip on the private plane, et cetera, et cetera. But also he's using this to cover up these explosive revelations that he turns out to be along with Princess Kate, the two people who talked about what color the baby might be, Harry and Meghan's baby. So we're going to talk about that and how he's using climate and indigenous climate practices to cover up um, his sins among the wokey racialist um, and, and race-obsessed people on the left. So we're going to get to that. But before we do that, um, we're going to get to Taylor Swift. And we brought in our daughter, Evita. Evita, welcome. Um, we brought you in to talk about both topics. You've written about both. You've talked about both. You haven't done it at the kitchen table well, see, and we're well, obsessed. Hold on a second. So yes. Why are we talking about Taylor Swift? Because Time Magazine, which is just a, a dirty little rag now that, you know, used to be a big thing now. Lost its luster, right? Lost its luster. But the thing is, when they do the Time Person of the Year, people actually talk about it. It's the only uh, thing they talk about Time these days. Exactly. And so as the world burns, as there's war in Ukraine and Israel, and as our borders are open and there's inflation and crime on the streets. Um, fentanyl. Yeah, fentanyl coming in, uh, child labor, child sex trafficking. I mean, there's a huge amount of problems, not just in this country, but around the world. Time Magazine decides to name Taylor Swift as their person of the year. Um, and so, Abita, uh, you're an expert on Taylor Swift. You've written on Taylor Swift. You've analyzed her music and her career and her politics, which is why we have you here today. Tell us what you think about. Can, can, can I read the, the, the byline on her sure. article and then, and then have her launch from there? So she writes about Taylor Swift being like the, the most, uh, she says the most, the title of the article in, on The Federalist. The Federalist is obsessed with Taylor Swift, by the way. The Federalist talks about Taylor Swift, you, Mark Hemingway, they're obsessed. The title of your article is The Most Insufferable Woman in America Wins Times Person of the Year. The byline is Taylor Swift isn't a thought leader or an artistic genius. She's a girl boss cat lady whose narcissism has made her a toxic romantic Mm. partner. This Evita will get all the Swifties. I mean, you're dead. You're dead to the Swifties right now. So Evita, explain. So yeah, the Swifties, you're 100% right. They go, they go after anybody who's even remotely critical of Taylor Swift and says that, oh, it's, you're critical of her because you're a sexist. And even Taylor Swift will go after people who are critical of her and say, 
oh, you're a misogynist. It's her go-to criticism. And actually, the last article of The Federalist came out with about Taylor Swift that Mark Hemingway wrote, who you guys had on the podcast. There were multiple articles accusing him of misogyny just because he didn't like her music. Um, so in this article, I kind of break down why it's it doesn't make a lot of sense that she's the Times person of the year from a at face value, right? I mean, she's an amazing musician, a pianist actually, who's a he's a you know popular uh, mu- music YouTuber. Actually studied her music and found that over twenty of her songs have uh, the same chord progression in them. So it's 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 very repetitive. Her music all kind of sounds the same, and then her lyrics are all very similar, right? She's constantly complaining about somebody that she formally dated. Um, and I, I think that there's a reason Taylor Swift is being pushed on us. I think that she, it could be a sense because it's not from her music, right? I think it, um, it has to do with, sorry. No, it's sorry. Okay. It was, it, you're, sorry. Your, your sister's calling me in the middle of the podcast and I have to shut her down. I feel like I'm with my grandma. Yeah, I'm exactly. You know what? Let me stop you for a second because inside of your inside of your article, you link to one of my favorite TikTok videos, which is this guy who basically is listening to what Taylor Swift sounds like to most people. But but I think okay. So she's not an artistic genius, right? I mean, this is a Mm -hmm. this is very and and I'll say as a young person. Taylor Swift is a lot of nostalgia for me, uh, as, as with a lot yeah. of millennial and Gen Z women, right? Her songs were played constantly for us growing up. And so, um, there's, there's definitely value in that. And I'm not going to say I've never jammed out. And they're catchy, Evita. They're catchy. They're fun. Well, they're sweet. And I'm going to say one, one thing about it is that there are way worse, like totally gross, like Cardi B, WAP yes. stuff that's nasty. And for the most part, Taylor Swift's music, while you as while you make a point that it's not like creative genius here, it is at least wholesome pop culture candy, right? So it's some so some of it's wholesome. I'd say her older stuff can be more wholesome, right? Where she, I mean, it was nice, cute love songs. Most of her love songs uh, or breakup songs are pretty vengeful, and I think that that it's she she represents a lifestyle for a lot of women, right? One where we're like, right. I don't need a man. I've been hurt by all these men. I, I, I'm kind of going to be a girl boss and do it on my own. She's dating Travis Kelsey now, but none of her relationships actually ever last that long. She's dated um, now this Travis Kelsey is, is the 13th person that she's dated that we know of. All of her relationships have gone up in flames. Um, and at what point, I think, do we as as listeners or as, or as fans who are supposed to like her say, I wonder if maybe Taylor Swift is the problem in all these relationships and maybe means she's not such a great role model and this oh, come this- on people can have bad people can have bad love lives and still be good cultural pop icons talk about her politics i think that's the interesting thing that i found in the article which is you you're saying her politics are why she's being she's elevated She's yeah, a useful she's idiot, if you will. Well, yeah, because Taylor Swift is not is not somebody who's very politically savvy, right? She's not, I don't think she even really thinks that deeply about politics ever. There are some I don't think she wanted to get into politics, to be honest. She was she, kind of pushed into it. 
Yeah, she didn't. I think there was a lot of pressure and it's it's hard to know exactly, you know, where if it could, it could be just, you know, the, the, the public, it could be the media, it could be her label. But for whatever reason, she felt a lot of pressure um, during the Trump era to now suddenly become very political. And it was obvious from the commentary that she was making that she wasn't very informed. She was sort of feeling her way around trying to say the right thing. Right. So she was like, oh, Trump is creating the BLM riots, which is which is a silly Democrat talking point. Right. Because the Democrats put their co the tyranny on hold to fuel the riots. Um, Republicans were the ones who were saying, hey, let's let's not burn down American cities. Um, she's not she's not very well informed when it comes to politics. Um, and I think that that's what Democrats really like about her, that she falls in line. If they need Taylor Swift to say something or to endorse something, someone, Taylor Swift will do it. No questions asked. She's she's not a true believer in anything, really, which makes her very malleable and very useful to Democrats. And I think that's why they're pushing her on us because the the big the big endorsement that's probably going to come again in 2024, like it did in 2020, is going to be Taylor Swift shilling for Joe Biden, trying to get those young leftists who already don't like Joe Biden to come out and vote for him. But talk about the voting block, because Taylor Swift represents a voting block that is traditionally a very reliable voting block for Democrats. Very reliable. So so young single women vote over 70 percent for Democrats. They are extremely reliable. And Taylor Swift, um, I think that not only is, is she part of that demographic, but she also encourages that that demographic of women. Right. All of her songs are very, are very angry Are very. I'm going to do it myself. If you listen to her in, in interviews. Right. It is a. I don't need a man, girl boss, fourth wave feminism. That is what Taylor Swift represents. Um, and that's partly why I don't like a lot of her new music, right? It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty nihilist. Her older stuff used to be a little more fun, a little sweeter. Um, she's gotten really bitter as she's gotten older. Um, and her relationships are disintegrated. And I think that is reflected in a lot of young people. The difference, unfortunately, is that Taylor Swift is a multimillionaire. So Taylor Swift's unhappy, right, in her relationships, but she gets to go home to her mansion and her cats. Um, most young women who who try to girl boss it into the single lifestyle, they're living in really expensive cities by themselves in apartments, and they're really unhappy. Um, and it's yeah, not they, they go sweet. home to a shoebox. She goes right, home to a mansion. They go home to a by the way, box. I loved how in the Time magazine when they named her, they had different. They must have done it. You know, they did a big photo shoot with her, and they have different covers. So, you know, different articles about her being Time Person of the Year have different pictures and one of them was her and she has her cat around her shoulders and I thought wow this is amazing like totally glamorizing the whole cat lady in an apartment thing um but but I think it's interesting yes women who who marry and have children tend to become more conservative women who remain single tend to remain uh to, to become or, or be remain liberal. And so, um, what do you get? What, so uh, that, that's an interesting dynamic. If you're a Democrat, you definitely want to discourage women from getting married and having kids and getting more, more. Well, it does, it does a couple of things. One, um, it's, it celebrates victimhood, right? If Taylor Swift can be a victim as a multimillionaire in mansions with cats, with relationships that when Only they go back. When they go bad, you, you know, you can attack the person that you just broke up with and you have a massive megaphone to do it. And I, I mean, listen, I, I, again, it was your generation loved Taylor Swift, but now this, the, the, the younger, you know, kids in our family, Vita, they like her as well and their friends like her. And I hear them talk about how they think she's a victim. 
which is unbelievable that if Taylor Swift can be a victim, anybody can be a victim. So it's the power of victimhood, number one. Uh, But number two, it does, going back to this point of politics, it celebrates single womanhood. And the law, to your point, Rachel, if, if we have more single women in America, you have a growing, more reliable block of voters for Democrats, which may be why, Evita, as we come into the 2024 election, it was so powerful yeah. for time to elevate Taylor Swift, who's, mm-hmm. this is just the start. She's coming, she's going to come full circle and have a bigger role in 2024. And this is just a little extra pop Could it- to bring her into the cultural relevance outside of music into Americans' minds. Because she's going to endorse and drive all the voters to Joe Biden in 2024. Could it be that Taylor Swift, Sean, is the updated version, the updated, more glamorized version of the life of Julia? Oh. Could it be that? So so life of Julia was during Barack Obama. They had this sort of it was like an animated woman. And they went through Julia and and they made a video out of it. And they thought, this is great. This is really going to get people. And they had this woman. And from the day she was born, they showed all the stages of her life and how she intersected with government at all these different Mm -hmm. stages, whether it was, you know, going to a public school, getting her her her, you know, government funded student loan. Um, And as she moved along, you know, she went to like a, a government, you know, nursing home. I mean, like it went all the way through her life. And it really either just she had a kid, but it's not wasn't really clear whether there was a husband involved or not. It was a really strange scenario. And actually, it backfired on them in many ways because a lot of some normal women looked at this and were like, this is Julia's life is very sad. And it became a point of mockery, at least on the right. I think the left thought this was great because this is what they want. They want you totally dependent on the state, totally dependent on government. And 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 not in families and not dependent on 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 your own little family tribe. And communism is what it is. It's called communism. That's right. But it's interesting. That's not so that's not so glamorous. But you could put forward somebody like Taylor Swift, who is beautiful and talented and, you know, has cats and lives in a, a much nicer apartment than you do. Yeah. She lives in a mansion um, and, and has this girl boss thing. And yet she can kind of. You know, if you criticize her, knows how to to wield the 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 victim, yeah, the victimhood thing, and and her mob against the, her critics. Uh, she is essentially the perfect person to put forward an endorsement, as you say, in twenty twenty four. And so it is it is incumbent on the powers of culture to elevate her. And interestingly, Evita, some black artists, female artists, have been a little bit like, huh, why is she getting all this attention? Uh, many of them more talented than her, um, some could argue. Um, and but I think that's the that's the situation where I think she t- they understand Taylor is the best best point. I think you make such a great point in this. Yeah, I think she's much more subversive than than a and, that, and that's why people will say, oh, you're being a conspiracy theorist. Right. When I say that the, the, the media is intentionally promoting Taylor Swift. Mark Hemingway made the point that her music is is really and her popularity is an indictment on her culture, that it's not creative, that it's not interesting. I think there's some truth to that, but we we cannot deny all of the fawning articles. How many TV segments have we done talking about her and how great she is? And not in an sure. interesting way, like We're we obsessed. are civilizing her. The, the TV segments and the articles have been overwhelmingly and nauseatingly positive in a way that makes somebody pause and say, okay, 
Why are they doing this? Um, I think there's something interesting about social media too. And there's a, re- there's a few interesting YouTube videos on this, but music has changed in, in the era of TikTok and Instagram reels. M- musicians and, and labels purposely want their songs to be able to go viral on the platforms. So they shorten yeah. the refrain and, and they make them sort of something that people want to repeat, right? That they want to, that they can add to their videos that's sort of catchy, right? In an Instagrammable TikTok kind of way, if that makes sense. Um, and there's something very uniform about that, that we're all sort of listening to the same music, hearing the same song, um, regional sounds and creativity that used to sort of exist back in you guys' era, era, right? Like you had, especially I'm thinking of like the seventies and rock and roll. There was so much creativity. Um, yeah. now that's kind of died with, with the era of, 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 just to be honest, social media. And then you have the other element, right? Of big tech and in our government having a say in what is able to go viral and what songs are able to do well. And I don't know. I, I, maybe this is kind of half baked, but I think that Taylor Swift's virality on social media is promoting a sort of uniformity in young people um, that lends itself to communism and socialism and everything that the left kind of wants. But that's, I, that's social media doing that. Not, I mean, Taylor Swift's participating in this social media phenomenon, but social media in general, because it becomes so ubiquitous, it ends up sort of making everything the same, right? Kind of like staples creativity, right? So it does a communism. It staples staples creativity. Um, And and I would argue that um, oftentimes social media is just a wing of the government, right? And you start to see everything, everything in, you know, you know, in East East Germany and and throughout the whole Soviet Union was bland in color. It wasn't creative. It was drab. We'll have more of this conversation after this. But I want to move to something else because I, I do think that this idea of what Taylor Swift represents for young women, you would think that, the, that your government and that people in positions of power, elites that control maybe magazines that are failing, but still have some power, like the, the like Time magazine, would try to promote things that make people happy. They give them fulfillment in their lives. And single cat ladies don't, I think at the end of life, find fulfillment. They don't find the kind of happiness that one would find in a, in a marriage, if they can, they can navigate that. And unbalanced, I mean, it doesn't work for everybody, but unbalanced, you're going to be happier married and you're going to be more filled married and, and hopefully with children, if, again, you're, you're, you're blessed. And they want to promote something that doesn't offer happiness and fulfillment, but gives them political power, which is, I think, um, so horrible on their part. You know, Sean, it's, you, when you were just saying, reminded me of something that Peachy Keenan, um, she's a, a social critic and, and a really interesting lady and sort of the anti-feminist out in, out in LA. She tweeted recently about the conditions in nursing homes and the kind of people that will be, um, that are right now and will be filling the positions of care in those facilities. Um, she was talking about it in terms of many young people now that hate Jewish people. And that was sort of the context of of this anti-Semitism, but you could see it in all kinds of uh, other forms as well. But basically she said, think ahead to where you will be um, when you're in your 80s and in your 90s. She said, I know I'm going to take care of my mother in my own home and I'm having lots of kids to make sure that somebody is taking care of me in my home. I don't want to be put in the hands of strangers. 
in a in a facility like that. And this they life like you because of the color of your skin or your they religion, may, exactly or your political beliefs. Exactly, exactly, Sean. Exactly. And, and, and we are creating the, this kind of, you know, divisions in our culture based on race, based on, on religion, based on politics. And, you know, you could just be, they find, I, I'm in a nursing home and I'm a Trump supporter. Well, I might, you know, wow, well, you I'm in trouble. You don't your bedpan changed. Your right. paper doesn't get changed all day. Right. And so I don't, if you don't want to be at the whim of some young indoctrinated little Marxist, um, you know, person who's hired to be an aide, because let's face it, you're not being cared for by nurses unless there's a problem. It's They are aides and these are very low paying jobs. And there are some that are very good. But as we create these kinds of little, you know, divisions in our or big divisions in our culture, you're at the whim of somebody like that. You want to have a family. You want to create those family bonds. So that that sense of duty and love that ensures that you're taking care of. And by the way, a lot when she wrote that, a lot of people wrote back and they were like, Oh, so you're saying to have kids so you have someone, you know, to take care of. I always say it's like Mexican social security. I don't care if people, what people think if I say that. It's true. This is not a new thing. Since the beginning of time, people have relied on their children to care for them in their old age. It's the cycle of life. You take care of the baby and then eventually the baby ends up taking care of you. You change the baby's diapers. I think it was Plato or Aristotle who said it. And then eventually they're changing your diapers. See, that's um, not my plan, though. Just, you know, I don't plan on doing it that way. Rachel needs the kids to take care of her. I plan on going before Rachel, so Rachel's going to take care of me. That's, I will. I will. But what do you idea. say about that, Avia? Do you think young... First of all, before we move to the next topic... Uh, well, I'm not done with this topic yet. Okay. What, what, is the, what is the main appeal that young people have with Taylor Swift? And do you think young women your age... Is, it, is what we're talking about just too far in advance? Like, you know, what's going to happen to you when you retire and you're, you know, too sick to take care of yourself? Are, are, are Sean and I crazy... Like well, young people just don't think that far ahead. Yeah, I don't think that they think that far ahead at all. There's a there's a new uh, it's an acronym. I think it's called DINK. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's like dual dual income. Uh, it's like oh yeah, DINKs. Dual, they're called DINKs. Uh, dual yeah. income, uh, no kids. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we we did a whole podcast on DINKs. <laughs> okay, okay. So there. Are, so so there explain are, what it is. So it's dual income, no no kids, and they do these viral videos of like. They do little videos on TikTok showing how relaxing their Saturdays are compared to me and Sean. Right, right. Yeah. So they're bragging about their lifestyle. Um, and yeah. there's, I, I think that a lot of, I think that's very attractive to a lot of young people. Um, yeah. like, and, and we also, we also can't discount Some that we, it's attractive to me too. <laughs> we can't also discount that we live in, you know, in, in Bidenomics and people are struggling. And so the idea of, of having a lot of kids can seem very daunting and people's, yeah. you know, say i'd i'd rather have my dual income and and have a good life the best that i can under the circumstances um there's that but and you can justify it by saying oh I, I, and i'm saving the environment right but i also think that we're we're a, a, a country a, a civilization that doesn't really value life anymore right we 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 you know we kill unborn babies all the time we we assisted suicide a bunch of old people so yeah. um it's not an ethos that we have the the ethos is the taylor swift lifestyle the ethos is i'm going to worry about me and my mental health and my happiness and um that's going to fulfill me and the truth is that 
the biological reality is that people's fulfillment come from their families um, and from that support system. The Democrats, it's advantageous for them to have people who are reliant on on the government and not uh, have the, the familial ties that people were always meant to have. So yeah. the Taylor Swift life t- lifestyle is entirely advantageous for Democrats and, and their, their, the, the world that they want to create in America. And unfortunately, it's attracted to a lot of young people because we don't have the same values that we used to. And that's a sign of a dying civilization. It always, um, has been when you lose your, when you lose the familial ties, um, that bond you together. And then you lose your purpose in life and we become a, a, a civilization that's just sort of floundering um, purposelessly. And that that's that leads to even greater problems. We are on our last breath and also a sign of societal decline is your newspaper, your, your paper time that I'll name Taylor Swift, the person of the year. And on that point, we should probably talk about because the bar is low. I mean, they, they pick Taylor Swift. So we can go with anybody. <laughs> Who do we think should be Time's person of the year? And as you think of it, Abita and Rachel, I'll go first. I thought it should be Joe Rogan. And the reason I get, again, the bar is low with Taylor Swift, so I'm going to pick Rogan because here you have a guy who has been willing to say things um, that the the mainstream curators of what we should hear about, they don't approve of the things and topics that he puts on a show. And I think, you know, someone who will speak freely, consequences be damned, and I don't agree with everything he says, but again, that he'll say it, I applaud that. We need more Joe Rogans that'll say more of what they believe. And he has a huge audience, a lot of young men, uh, but men and women who listen to what he's saying and they're getting an alternative point of view than that which is fed to them by left-wing media and the curators of information. I think that was a good choice. I think he is a huge threat to the establishment, uh, to the globalists, to people who just want us to get in line. I think, and, and, and the perfect... Um, sort of foil to why Evita says that Taylor Swift represents the perfect controllable woman, you know, mask wearing check, feminist check, Democrat check, you know, um, I don't need a man check. I don't need kids check. I think all of that is very interesting. And um, Rogan sort of represents this, this, uh, you know, you can't control them and they're trying, but they can't. Yeah. yeah. So do you, do you have a persevere? Do you pack? Um, I don't know. Vita. Okay, I, I, I'm going to tell you who we, we, I did this topic last night on the bottom line, 6 p.m. Fox Business. No, but I think uh, Joe Rogan is, is the perfect choice. But I will say that Time Magazine is never going to pick someone like Joe Rogan. Um, no, they are never. the establishment. They have also picked Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin as persons of the year. So the bar is is low for time. <laughs> so so on my show last night, Dagan McDowell said, you know, I picked Dolly Parton. Who's been non-political? She did. She, she did the. Uh, did, she did the pre, pre-game. <laughs> the, the, the pre-game show. Love her, uh, down in in Texas. Yeah, looks great. Has Dolly World, an alternative to to Disney, mm. um, and looking fabulous at what like seventy eight years old. Where, and that was who could wear a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader outfit at seventy. I I felt like I I thought it was great, and at the uh, at the other. End of it. I also thought, God, that's so much pressure. That's why I just don't want to have to care. Um, I, I don't need that pressure. At well, 70. Jimmy Fallon was on the show as well with us, and Jimmy, as always, delivers. He's like, "Of course, this is easy. Like you guys have it all wrong. George Santos should be the man of the year. He invented the internet. He cured COVID. Like he's Christian and you. Jewish, and they came with this whole list on George Santos. I'm I like, don't care what anyone says about George Santos. I I thought that he brought a lot of a lot of Congress. I loved him. 
I did too. And and you know, it was interesting to me because through you, because I said that on on Fox and Friends and Will and Pete were like mortified that know. I said I thought he was so but and then you told me there's this whole like youth thing yeah, about so, him. So even young leftists actually love George Santos and they were kind of he was just girl bossing. Why'd they do that to him? Like he's the only man that we uh, unironically the only man that I trust in Congress. And he is the he's, greatest he's liar. He's really bridged the gap. Democrat and, and conservative yes. young guys. We all yes. love George Santos. I have to say I was equally fascinated and loved him. And will, he will be greatly missed. And I thought it was interesting that uh, Fetterman, Senator Fetterman, came to his defense in a lot of ways and became his first cameo customer. Well, and, well by the way, George <laughs> Santos did not know. If you didn't see the, the video, it's fantastic. And through this through Cameo. You know what Cameo is, Evita? Oh, yeah, I know what Cameo is. So <laughs> Cameo is, for those who don't know, Cameo is you can pay money to a celebrity or well, like, somebody famous. CD class. Well, well, wait, there's some really big names that you can. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You got to pay big money for them. So there's a scale of, you know, you, if you're going to pay a lot, if you're going to get an A list or if you're going to get a B, C, D list or the price goes down. But basically you pay them to say a message, a birthday message, a graduation, congratulations message, a happy anniversary to a loved one. And it's a great gift. So if you, if you love Bon Jovi and you can get Bon Jovi to say happy birthday to that person that loves Bon Jovi, then you're like, you know, that's a great gift. So anyway, George Santos got on Cameo and guess who his first Cameo purchase was? Fetterman. So Fetterman. Senator Fetterman. But he, but Santos didn't know that it was Fetterman and Santos gave a message uh, about, um, Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez. He was talking about Bob and I left Congress, Bob, and you should get out too. And this whole message. And then later when he found out, uh, that it was actually from Fetterman about Bob Menendez, he took it in great stride. He laughed about it. Isn't this great? And blah. I mean, he's the Congress is going to be a lot less fun with George Santos. And by the way, a lot more difficult for Republicans to get things done because George Santos was a reliable vote for Republicans. Yep. Now Kevin McCarthy is yep. going to be leaving as well. And so they're going to have a two-seat majority. Someone gets sick. Someone has a baby. Someone dies. And you could see Hakeem Jeffries actually be the Speaker of the House in the middle of the term because Republicans have lost all these votes. Um, it's outrageous. Way, way, way down. Uh, by the way, why wouldn't, why wouldn't McCarthy stay in just because yeah. of that? Well, Despite- listen, I... <laughs> No, listen, McCarthy actually stayed on longer than anyone would have anticipated. If you get kicked out of the speakership, you got kicked out. You're going to leave. When Eric Cantor lost his, this is back in the, what, 2004, when he lost his primary, um, he left within a week. Um, Paul Ryan left very quickly after the speakership. The one that stayed around is Nancy Pelosi, but Nancy didn't lose the seat. She gave it up and then she stayed for another term. But Kevin McCarthy stayed to make sure that things were working, that 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 Speaker Johnson was able to get acclimated and he could help him out. And now he's going to leave. His time has uh, been served. Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to miss George Santos. And by the way, good move for Fetterman, not because I think he's being sincere in his outrage over um, Bob Menendez. over Bob Menendez. Maybe he is. I doubt it. He's in Pennsylvania. That is a swing state. This is an easy one for him to pr- pretend to be an independent voice by attacking Bob Menendez, who all the Democrats have circled around um, and in, in many ways protected. Um, and I, so, I just, there you go. Let me ask, why, why did Republicans even allow the vote to come to the floor? And why did so many of them vote to expel him? I'm, I, just, I'm sincerely baffled 
by it. It doesn't make any sense to me if they actually cared about winning for the American people. I don't understand. So it was a privileged uh, resolution that came to the floor, so it had to come up. Uh, the, the speaker or the leader could not keep it off the floor. Why? The way the rules work, well, it was privileged. What's a privileged? Re- how could I so, make something so, a privileged so resolution? If, if, so so you, had dem- you, you had over 50% of the people that wanted it. So Democrats, oh, so joined, Democrats joined in. And uh, so too did New York Republicans specifically. Um, the New York Republicans hated him. And they they get they hated getting asked about him in, in town halls of Ida. But also t- t- tough districts. Uh, the left wing media made him um, a, a, a topic of conversation often. And I, I've said this before: George Santos was not going to get anyone a vote in the general election or cost anyone a vote. But they kicked him out all the same. And but by the way, I, I, I don't think George is going to go away quietly. He's got a trial coming up in February. He very well may be convicted. The Congress should have waited for that conviction yeah. and had him removed. That's not what they did. And again, it's, a, it's even a tougher majority now. So, okay, well, so go ahead. Last Honestly, thought on that. I wish that we had representatives that didn't care about getting reelected and they wanted to do what was best for the country, which would have been to keep uh, George Santos in office. But yeah, that'd be nice. that would have been nice. I have proposed to have George Santos um, on my pop culture roundup yes. as my guest yes. next weekend. Do I'm it. pushing. I don't know if they will approve it. Uh, I'm but I hope send tweets and comments to get them to have George Santos on for the pop. It culture would be story. it would be a lot of fun. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Taylor Swift got Time Magazine Person of the Year, but the runner up to get it was going to be. King Charles, um, the climate fanatic. And, you know, I've always found him to be a very unlikable person. I think he knows that. He's always struggled with, you know, not being beloved by the British public because, you know, Princess Diana had the heart of the people. And then when she died in in that way, you know, it was sort of like she was immortalized um, through death. And and this kind this is kind of like Donald Trump is loved like Diana and Ron DeSantis, just he's awkward and just really can't connect with the people. This is I, I think that's not, the good, that's not a good analogy. This is it's totally a great different. analogy. No, it's totally different. Um, and, and no, she was beloved worldwide. Uh, she was loved. She was beloved. And, so and she actually was authentically a victim. You know, she was, uh, she, you know, she really was. She was brought in as a young, you know, bride thinking that she was marrying into a family and, and into a relationship where he re- genuinely wanted her and wanted to have a family with her and, and loved her. And it turned out the whole time he had this mistress Kamala. And so he's always struggled with his reputation because Diana fought back through the press, as we famously know. And of course, he struggled with his reputation when she died. As I said, she was immortalized, but he knew he was the heir to become the king and he wanted his mistress, who he never stopped loving, his mother figure mistress, um, Kamala Parker. Um, he wanted her to be accepted. And so this has been his quest. Part of what he's been able to sort of virtue signal among the lefties is through climate change, um, through the environmentalism and Evita, you wrote a great piece sort of breaking down how he has used environmentalism to bolster his image and make him seem like he's he's not the colonialist or the um, adulterer that we know he is. And and also how he has used it to deflect from the very scandalous revelation um, in a new book by Obi. What's his name? Evita Obi. I always get his name wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Obi Scobie or whatever, you know, you know, the friend of of um, uh, Megan and Harry who just wrote a book. And in one edition of the book in a different language, I think it was in Norwegian, in the Dutch. names it was in Dutch was it was in Dutch. Sorry. Uh, in the Dutch edition, the names of the royals, if you recall, during the Oprah interview, Megan said somebody in the royal family asked what shade the baby might be. And of course, she said this was an indication that the royals were racist. And but nobody knew who the name was. And there was a lot of speculation. Who could it be? Some people thought it was Princess Anne. A lot of people thought it was Kamala, uh, Camilla, soon to be Queen Camilla. And so uh, people didn't know. Then this book comes out. The Dutch version names King Charles and Princess Kate are the ones. And Evita, your article kind of starts there. Right. So so King Charles has always used environmentalism, like you said, as sort of a crutch, right? He has all this bad press. Um, he's not very well liked. He's probably one of the least liked royals um, in recent British history, right? Um, his mom was one of the most beloved. It's a really hard um you know, person to follow. So he he this news breaks that he's allegedly the racist one who is questioning the skin tone of of the baby. I don't actually believe that that necessarily is a racist comment. Um, He could have just been saying, you know, oh, I wonder, because this is like one of the first mixed children in our family or probably the first mixed child in the royal family. I wonder what skin tone he'll be like. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a racist statement. And in fact, Harry, he's actually tried to amend what Meghan said and made it seem like it wasn't racist. So probably it wasn't. But the left nonetheless has been saying, oh, well, this is a sign now that King Charles is the racist one. And so in the wake of all this, he's he's now going to COP28 where he gave this opening speech, which COP28 is is the UN climate summit that they have every year where all of the, the rich CEOs and politicians of the world fly in on private jets to a conference to talk about climate change and how they can subjugate the rest of us um, with dystopian climate policies. King Charles gives his opening speech. He has all these meetings and he purposely makes this this point of saying, I'm going to meet with the indigenous peoples of the world because they are going to be the most affected by climate change, which seems a little bit purposeful as people are accusing King Charles of racism at the same time. And this is what King Charles does all the time, right? He uses the climate change movement to deflect from his own unpopularity. And ironically, it is the climate change movement that is impoverishing and hurting not just black and brown people across the world, but his own subjects. You know, I look at part of the article as well, Abita, and I thought a great point that you made on on talking about indigenous people, talking about minorities, talking about Africa, um, climate change, will do more to keep people impoverished, keep them tied down in squalor and in poverty while Prince Charles lives in a castle, flies around on on, on private aircraft, Mm. has access to fossil fuels and fossil fuel use, all the while telling everyone who's poor in the world, you have to stay poor because of climate change. Now, your leaders, we might pay them off and, you know, give them money so they actually keep you impoverished because you don't have access to fossil fuels. But again, um, the, the likes of Bill Gates and John Kerry and, and Prince Charles, they all fly in private aircraft. They all, you know, they all eat meat. They all have the finest of the, the, what the, that the world has to offer. 
And again, this idea trying to mask what he thinks were, you know, he's getting blowback because, because people think this was a, a racist comment. I would agree with you. It wasn't. Um, but he feels the pressure. And his answer is, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to use climate change to keep the people that I'm accused of being racist against. I'm going to keep them poor. Yeah. So here, you tell you way, what's, well, imagine the climate footprint in the, of the castle. So, oh, massive. it's huge. What's the fossil? Yeah, massive. I, I'm, I'm sure it's huge. Something that we, I should have sent this to you guys beforehand, but it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys saw the news that Kamala Harris announced the United States is giving $3 billion mm-hmm. to the U.S. Green Climate Fund. The Green Climate Fund is this like U.N. So obviously King Charles is in support of this, this fund as well, right? It's this U.N. fund where they promote climate change policies in third world countries. What's really interesting, and I had a conversation with Mark Morano, who I know mom's interviewed a few times. I'm not sure if you guys have had him on the podcast, but he actually wrote a book where he talked about how the Green Climate Fund is part of green colonialism or or eco-imperialism, mm. right? It's this new form of rich Western countries subjugating African, mm-hmm. uh, Asian, and South American countries who are really impoverished. So what really what an, what an African country needs, right, if they have no electricity and no running water, which, by the way, directly correlates to infant mortality, life expectancy, quality of life, all these things are tied to fossil fuels. They actually say, no, you guys aren't allowed to have fossil fuels because we don't want you to make the same mistakes that we did. And if you all had fossil fuels like we do, the world might implode. So we're going to actually promote politicians in your country who are going to keep you in poverty by promoting green energy projects like solar and wind power, which we know is incapable of actually scaling um, and, and being as affordable as fossil fuels. So what happens is you have these countries who are trying to do better and you're purposely keeping them down. It is eco-imperialism. Not only that, but the UN actually has all of these uh, Western countries promising to not fund any international fossil fuel projects, which means that these countries, even if they had the ability, even if their politicians would allow them to start uh, fossil fuel projects, the rich nations who they need to invest in it refuse to do that because of the UN. It is keeping poor people down, most of them black and brown, um, in the name of of the environment. And ironically, it is extremely racist. But do you want to know who will actually invest in those projects? If the West won't invest, COP28 won't invest, there is one country that will invest. They're called China. Yes. China will invest in those projects and they'll control those projects and then control those countries um, and reap the benefits of it. As we say, no, 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 climate change, we... We can't let American companies invest in, you know, these resources that will lift these places out of poverty. By the way, the model, though, is very China. So one of the things that China does very effectively and did with our own country to the the Biden, you know, corrupt family business is they'll identify little princeling um, members of the of the of the elite establishment, pay them off to get them to do the bidding of China. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that's what this climate fund will do. They will take a U.S. tax dollars, six billion of it or three billion of it. I can't. What, what was it? Billions. Was it three, three or billion. six billion? And that's on top three of billion. the two billion we've already sent to the fund. That's right. So it goes to the U.N. fund. I'm sure the we'll U.N. skins it million. off. To, yeah, which the U.N. skins it off to do all the stupid work they do. They don't do much good, um, at least in terms of for America. Well, and by then, the way, oh, go ahead. They sorry. supposedly send it to these, you know, the elites who run these African countries, and it's basically a payoff. You're paying off the elites in these poor African country to not do projects that would actually lift their, their 
population out of poverty. They use the money to build monuments for themselves and to create these, you know, uh, government buildings for themselves and it's it, it and and then fund their own re-election efforts and corruption efforts i mean this is <sighs> super corrupt way of western countries um controlling what poorer countries do and and keeping them uh in in poverty which which is I truly, that. truly abhorrent. green I'm, colonialism eco imperialism so can I tell you no. whose fault this is um, because I know you might go, this is radical leftism at its, you know, at its worst, you know, Kamala Harris and, uh, and Joe Biden and, you know, Democrats. But the truth is Republicans control the purse strings. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, again, this is the, the you got, we spend so much money that the Congress can't delineate how every dollar is spent. So they will send with some direction money to, you know, all these different agencies that they fund to the military, to the White House. Um, and then they have a wide amount of discretion on how that money is spent. Right. But right. what you can do is put a rider, it's called a rider on the appropriations process that would say, we're sending you this money. We're not going to tell you how it all has to be spent. But we will tell you that none of the money can be spent for this. You can't send any money or you can't even work on Anything to do with the green fund? They so can why, why would they that. do that? Say so you can't use our money to send to the UN for green projects because they're not willing to get into a fight with Democrats on this issue. But would and there Democrats, be a fight? Yeah, Demo- oops. Yeah, Demo- Re- Republicans um, won't fight Democrats on the border because there's a fight right now with you know what Joe Biden wants 106 billion dollars for Ukraine and Israel funding. He wants it bad. And Republicans said, okay, well, well, let's just have a conversation about then how we secure the border, how we change policies in the border to stop this massive inflow. And mark my words, I think Republicans are going to care. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure that they will. This is the same thing here. You could cut off every dollar to the EPA that is going to fund their EPA missions that's going to get rid of the... Interna- I can say at least internationally, like, okay, you want to destroy our country with your green climate policies? You're not going to US, use, use U.S. tax dollars to fund, you know, green imperialism in, in the third world. And I'm sorry, money. but and that would be a popular proposition. That's why I say, okay, the American people would love that. They would love for you not to send their money over to the U.N., why wouldn't they do it, Sean? That would be popular. Well, listen, it'd also be popular to, to secure the border. 75% of Americans, Dem- Democrats, independents, and, re- and Republicans want the border secure, but their ideology is different than where the American people are, which is why they keep the border open. Same thing here. Their ideology is driving them to send this money out. So just to be clear. No, no, I think you're missing my point. What I'm saying is if the Republicans fought on not allowing U.S. tax dollars to go to a U.N., you know, slush fund to keep third world countries in green policies and, and, and keep their people down, green colonialism. And if they framed it in that way, which is exactly precisely what it is, I think that would be a popular fight um, that, that people would like them to not use their tax dollars overseas in that way. And so that might be a fight worth fighting for. So my, that's, that's, I, I'm answering your question. And I'm saying, yes, that sounds like it'd be a great fight worth having. I agree with that. But Democrats will fight Republicans on it. And I'm sure Republicans won't stand up. And I'm using a comparison to the border. I don't know the stats on how many Americans think we should send money to mm-hmm. a green fund at the UN. 
I do know that 75% of Americans think the border is out of control, that they want it you know, more secure. And Republicans, I don't think, are going to fight Democrats who are fighting tooth and nail to keep the border open. It's a winner for Republicans because that's what the American people want. But Joe Biden doesn't want that. Kamala Harris doesn't want that. Alejandro Mayorkas doesn't want that. Senators and House members don't want that. The American people are with Republicans. Will they stand up and fight? I don't have a lot of faith. So the only way on the border that they can fight is to say, we won't fund your wars. Which is what they said now. If you, but, but the truth is, that's a different fight, Sean, because the truth is there's a lot of Republicans that do want to fund that war. In this case, with the climate thing, it's different. You just say, you put the writer in, okay, so you get some Democrats complaining. So what? You have the majority. Well, they won't pass. The, Republic, the, House, the House bill goes to the Senate. The Senate passes a different bill, and then you have to negotiate. And the more things you can get in those bills, the more opportunity you have to cut more stupid funding like this. So again, it gets to be far in the weeds on how this process works. God. But just know that Republicans have a lot more power than they're letting on with regard to the power of the purse. And it's also why a lot of Republicans have said we want to go through the appropriations process. When you go, there's 12 appropriations bills. When you actually have, you know, the appropriators work through and, and debate and then pass bills, that's when you can put these riders in. If there's just one big massive spending bill, right, it's not you an can't opportunity do that. Yeah. To, to slice and dice uh, funding to make sure it doesn't go to these horrible things just, like so $3 billion dollars for the climate fund. Evita, is the king going to be able to get past these accusations of racism and, you know, having been named as the person who asked what shade of color? By the way, Sean, you would be in big trouble. I mean, we've had, when we had our babies, we wondered, will they look more Irish? We're a little more Hispanic, a little more, little more Mexican. And even within you kids, there were different shades. It'd be that you, you turned out whiter than some of the others for some reason. <laughs> By the way, I didn't care what shade they're going to be. This is like, I'm just curious. Conversation doesn't mean you're a racist. Yeah. doesn't mean you like Evita more than the others. Um, although sometimes they say that Evita's your favorite, some of the other kids. But then, the, then others say it's others, so who knows. Uh, but there's a debate about that. But I would say that that's not a racist thing. But will the king be able to fight these racism accusations? So I, I actually think yes in, in Britain because um, they're sick of the racism accusations from Harry and Meghan. Because yeah. Harry and Meghan didn't just go after King Charles. They actually went after the British media and the British people in general. They said, all of you are racist. That's what Harry and Meghan <laughs> were essentially alleging. And so they've gotten pretty indignant. The British people are like, you know what? We're done with all of all of the 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 gaslighting and and the the accusations to her. If you don't like it, if you don't want to be part of of Britain, leave, which is what they did. Um, and I, I think a lot of them are standing by, by Charles because of their hatred toward Harry and Meghan. In America, it might not be so it might not be the same. I think a lot of people in America are very sensitive to the race issue. A lot of them are are kind of on the side of, of Harry and Meghan, at least the American left is. Um, so King Charles is still going to be called a racist by Americans. But that doesn't really matter to King Charles, right? He's, he's trying to win over his own people. What bothers me about the British people is that they have, I've been, I've been talking about King Charles and the eco-imperialism and, and the fact that he literally was the poster child for the World Economic Forum's uh, Great Reset. And they don't seem to care. They're, they they don't seem to to be bothered by by his his green agenda and the way that that green agenda is actually hurting them right the, Britain and, and most of Europe went through 
an energy crisis last winter because of these these uh, the war in Ukraine um, and not that that having an impediment on energy and then also then shutting down all of the fossil fuel production in Europe to meet um, 2030 or 2050 goals. So I don't I don't know. I, I'm very frustrated That's because we- the British people love they, they they're all bought and sold on the climate agenda. Uh, what you say, but Sean, have you been amazed? They're a few years ahead of us on the, the indoctrination front. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah, have you been amazed, that. Sean, at how Meghan and Harry have been able to keep themselves in the news with just more and more grievances? So they, she first said this on Oprah, and now they find a way to bring it all back again. And it's it's just, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean... Listen, th- they are professionals at staying in the public eye, and staying in the public eye means they make more money. There was a story that came out as well. As Prince Harry goes back to the UK, uh, the the king has taken away his security detail. Right. And he, is he suing? Yeah, he's suing. He's suing to get his security detail back. When he goes to, he's saying, I don't need it. I, I, you yeah, don't have to US. adhere, but you, you, you right. must, pro- if I go back for official stuff, you must provide me with And the question is why? Like you, you've removed yourself from the royal family. Why are you then entitled? To then have a security detail. Listen, he makes enough money himself. Fund your own. If you need security, fund it yourself. Take the millions that you've made shilling against the royal family and pay for your own security detail. Why should why should the British people pay for it? Why should the crown pay for it? Pay for yourself. You know, Sean, if if only he made his money from hurting his family, which is bad enough. But he has also made money. I think he was on the Aspen Institute, like board for like disinformation. So basically he's making money, millions off of helping globalists censor all of us. That's how he makes his money. I think Um, he actually said that he thought the First Amendment was bonkers or something. He's a, yeah, he he said he didn't understand it at all. It's like, I'm sorry, sir, if you don't understand the First Amendment and you're going to employ yourself at places that are actively trying to destroy our most sacred value here in the United States. Uh, we don't want you either. Go back to your grandma. Um, and I think ben, go to Canada. Well, I said the Federalist had the best quote. He said, you know, if he keeps talking like this, we're going to have to tar and feather him and send him back to Britain. <laughs> or Canada. It's much easier. It's cheaper. Just send him to Canada. The Brits, as you said, don't want him. Send them up to Trudeau. Um, all the and lefties can hang together. All the lefties can have them. Vita, fascinating conversation. Two great pieces. One on King Charles, um, as well as uh, on Taylor Swift. And, and I have one on the eco-imperialism, too. I have a whole article on that. If anybody wants to know how, how they are um, subjugating poor black and brown countries, um, all these anti-racist, pro-equity, Biden. Is that, is that posted already? What? Is that posted already? Well, yeah, it's up. I talk about the Green Climate Fund and how it is uh, a, a neo-colonialist policy that is 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 truly ridiculous for the Biden, equitable Biden administration to be to be sending money to. What's the title of that piece? Oh, OK, hold on. Let me let me look. Send it to me because I haven't seen it yet. I read the other two. Or you can, if you go in the Federalist, you can search for uh, Abita Duffy Alfonso. You'll pull up all of our articles. They're fantastically done, very insightful, very yeah. well yeah, researched. The, the title is Biden Administration Pledges $3 billion to the UN's Neocolonialist, neo-colonialist Green Climate Fund. Yeah, love it. There you have it. Abita, thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you soon for Christmas. Yeah. Um, celebrate with home. you. Uh, and Michael, we can't wait for that. Uh, the kids are all starting to come back to the nest. 
as we prepare for Christmas. We're, we're preparing the nest. For the, your the next podcast, we Christmas should have a conversation wise. about ice plunging and how we're doing it out, out here oh, yeah. in, in the cold. I'm the all ice. about that. Northern yeah, you know what? Let's let's do a podcast next week with you, Vita, on cold plunging, something that Evita and Sean are both big fans of. We'll talk about the pros, the cons, um, the different methods. Sean in his garage, Evita in the in cold the lake. lakes of northern Wisconsin is doing her plunging. We'll talk about the pros and cons. Then we'll talk about my objections. Because <laughs> this is my this would literally be my form of help. I can't wait for that episode. Let's definitely do that next week. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.